Hello everybody, hope you're doing well. I am recording my first solo podcast today, well first solo one in a very long time. Anyone that's been around for a while will remember I did one, um, it was like an ask me anything questionnaire back in the day, which was really fun actually, so not too mad about it. Um, and yeah, today I'm on my own. I think it's going to be a quick one today. I mentioned last week I'm getting married this Saturday, so... <laughs> in a few days and I am busy uh so I thought I wasn't sure if I would pop one out but I just thought you know what I've got the energy it's seven o'clock on Tuesday so why not do a little recording and get this out so I made a post on Instagram the other day um about a message I had got actually it was a reflection of one of many messages I got. One of the things I'm most frequently messaged about and asked about is people in relationships that are feeling attracted to their colleagues or people that aren't in relationships wanting to know if they should pursue with with their colleague or is it appropriate, etc. And so I made a post about one of the, um, the messages I got and I'll read it out just in case you missed it. Uh, This is on my Eliza Joy Wilson Instagram. So you can message me there if you have any questions, um, feedback, etc. Or you can email me at sexcellspodcast at outlook.com. Okay, so I, 28 female, have been in a healthy, loving, stable relationship with my male partner for four years. We generally have no issues and live together. A few months ago, my work hired a new employee close to my age. He's funny, good looking, remembers random things about me and seems to pay me a lot of attention. I'm realizing that I've developed a crush on him and I'm finding ways to spend time with him. For example, getting coffees for the team together or randomly texting him things outside of work hours. I haven't ever had a crush on someone else whilst in my relationship and I'm unsure if this means that our relationship is not as great as I thought it was. So... Once I uploaded that, I put my advice on there as well, which actually I'll share as well before I get into this, because the purpose of this uh, podcast I wanted to do is why do we find our colleagues and co-workers so hot, so attractive? And I've seen videos go around on TikTok and it's like, is he really hot or is he just your co-worker? <laughs> Are you in love or do you just work with him? So... That's kind of the vibe. It's very, very common. And I had so many people messaging me after I posted this being like, well, thank you for writing about this um, because this is something I'm experiencing or have experienced and have struggled with. And it was great to know that it's so normal. Um, So I'll get into the why in a little bit, but I thought let's start with some interesting stats. Um, So... There's research that says that 40% of relationships, oh my God, that was the loudest bird, sorry, still going, 40% of relationships start from a workplace romance. Interesting. Um, Other studies said that 60% of adults have engaged in a workplace romance. Another study I read said like 58 or almost 60% of people said that they regretted it or that it negatively impacted their work. So that's interesting. Um, 40% of workplace romances involve cheating on an existing partner. That's pretty, um, that was, that was actually shocking to me. Uh, 
Actually, it's not that. Sh- <laughs> I don't know. Why I said that. it's not that shocking, but I didn't think it would be that high. Um, pretty concerning. And furthermore, fifty percent of people surveyed in one study reported flirting with their coworkers. Less than thirty-eight percent would report their uh, relationship to HR. Another thing I read was most people don't know what their HR rules and regulations or terms and conditions on workplace romances are. Um, In 2013, 58% of people that were surveyed believed that workplace workplace romances were not a problem. And in 2019, this has increased to 67%. So it's it's getting pretty normalised. That's you know to exactly two thirds of people think it's it's fine to have a workplace romance. So um, and finally, 36% of workers who have dated a coworker admitted to keeping their relationship a secret from their colleagues, which yeah, understandable. So I wrote to this girl. Um, and then I put a little summary of my advice up on my Instagram and I talked about uh, proximity attraction, which we'll get into a little bit. But my main point to her was I started with asking, like, well, what are your expectations within your relationship? Do, what do you expect from your partner in terms of loyalty? You've been in a, in a four-year monogamous relationship. Do you expect him to be loyal, committed to you? Do you expect him to not look at other girls or interact with other girls, get feelings ever? What are your expectations around that? And are you meeting those expectations also? It's okay and I think that it needs to be normalised that in relationships people are going to find other people attractive. This is the reality of life. As much as it can hurt to hear sometimes, it's it's basically fact. Uh, we are going to come across people that we find attractive or are attracted to. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're falling in love, we're infatuated or we have a crush or we want to sleep with them. It's that we pass people and may think they're attractive or find that we, yeah, just <laughs> like the way they look, like the way they sound, like the way they talk. All those things. Um, And I think that normalising this and pretending that – and not pretending, sorry, that this doesn't ever occur is important. Not that you need to talk about that in your relationship. I'm not suggesting you say, well, yeah, hey, I saw this guy and I find him attractive. I don't do that. Um, My partner doesn't do that either. Um, But at least internally normalising this um, and – in doing so, you can take out some of the depth of meaning. So you're not going to be punishing yourself thinking, why Why am I feeling this way, this, that. Like this is a normal thing that humans experience. Um, so, yeah, the other thing I said that I suggested for this girl to do, this woman, was let's unpack it. So what is it about the new co-worker that you find attractive? Is it the time he spends with you? Is it the prolonged eye contact and the smiles? Is it the attention? Is it the flirtation? Is it knowing he finds you attractive? Is it the humor? Like what is it specifically? Can you try pinpoint what it is that you find really attractive? And could this potentially be what is lacking in your current relationship? So It's not to say that there is deficit or issues within your relationship, but perhaps after a long-term relationship, they live together, they've been together for four years, these things just go to the wayside. They're not prioritized. 
Um, this is something I literally talk about with Adrian all the time because I'm like, you know, we've only been together for three and a half years and it feels like, you know, we're kind of coming out of that honeymoon phase now, etc. And I'm like, this is the time where you actually need to be proactively remembering to put in the effort to flirt, spend quality time together, find humor, appreciate one another, etc., etc. And I remember um, I saw a post on Reddit a long time ago about someone that had they'd opened up their relationship and she was all on board with it she was happy with it and she's um she wasn't they she always thought she was like a non-monogamous person so it wasn't an issue for her but she said she didn't think she'd experienced jealousy and she didn't experience jealousy when um he was out sleeping with women like hooking up and then going home or whatever but she experienced jealousy when she saw him interact with these other women that he was developing romantic connections with because they got to see the version of him that was funny and flirtatious and humorous and not stressed. Like they got to see that version of him where she got the stress, like the, you know, when you've been with your couple, uh, your partner for a really long time, you get them at their realist. They don't have to hide things from you. Uh, they don't have to pretend. They don't have to put on a facade. They don't have to act. And, you know, when you're faced with a new romantic potential, you are presenting your best self. Let's face it, you are. So I thought that was a really interesting thing and a, a great reminder as well that she was pointing out that, like, she doesn't get that side of him because this is often what happens in long-term relationships. Um, so anyway back to my advice um I said to her how can you bring those attractive those traits that you find attractive whether it be playfulness or humor whatever how can you bring that into your existing relationship how can you create quality time with him and quality time I will say it cannot watching tv together which I do with Adrian literally every night we watch tv or watch a movie does not count as quality time it has to be something independent of you know, having a source in front of you where you're just kind of numbed out. Um, how can you create romantic intimacy, flirtation and traction within your existing relationship? And then um, finally I said you need to be putting boundaries in as well. Like she's crossing the line. It's great that – I don't want to say it's great she's distressed about it, but it's great that she's recognizing like this could turn problematic and she's almost – bordering on an emotional affair in my opinion the fact that she's looking for ways to text with him outside of work hours she knows it's flirtatious she's getting the vibe he's attracted to her it's not really appropriate so if you identify that you are attracted to someone and they especially if they in return are attracted to you or just either or it's your responsibility even though your body tells you it it surges you with, you know, oxytocin and endorphins and it makes you feel good and it tells you chase this person, pursue this person. You do have to literally ignore that and prioritize your existing relationship and put the appropriate boundaries in place. So I told her you shouldn't be communicating with him um, and unless it's related to work until your crush has subsided. So once that crush is past and you no longer have any feelings for him if ever then you can resume how was your weekend what did you get up to blah 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 but until that happens you should be kind of going back to basics very extremely professional and standard she shouldn't initiate any conversation outside of work hours especially at night etc and shouldn't be initiating private text conversations unrelated to work 
Um, and finally, she should not be participating in those private catch-ups, like where they go and get coffee together for the team. A lot of people as well had asked me, not a lot, a couple of people had asked me as well saying, like, I want to express to that person um, that I have feelings for him or her. So they want to express to the colleague, I'm going to be putting distance in because I have feelings for you. And I actually think that that is a really inappropriate thing to do. And I advise against that also, because I feel that that is opening up a conversation. It's almost like fishing for a way for them to say, I reciprocate those feelings, or I feel like that too, or I've wondered this as well. So that conversation should not even be broached. It shouldn't be a big betrayal for you to be and have just an appropriate professional relationship and if it is if it's a big shock to everyone or shock to them shock to you then you've gone way too far and you've kind of teetered into the unloyal uh crossing boundaries territory um so yeah and I also um thought that in one positive aspect of this is that this this girl's kind of right on the edge so she hasn't taken that step too far yet but the positive thing is that now she gets to go back into her existing relationship, which she said was healthy and positive, and she gets to reignite some of the things that they love about each other and do spend some quality time together and build that intimacy, etc. And I think that that's a really wonderful thing. And the amazing thing about long-term relationships is that you do go through phases of falling in and not out of love, but in deep love and then in platonic love and friendship love and sometimes you go through a roommate love but it's so magical to be able to be like let's work on this relationship let's explore this again let's get back into it and and fall in love and realize what it is we love about each other and that's why a lot of couples therapists start the session to soften you come in usually to couples therapy with something you're upset about something you want to dress something you're bothered by and you've been thinking about it been prepping in your head how am I going to say this what am I going to express And often the first thing they ask is, tell me how you met and what was the first thing that attracted you to this person? So it almost softens that. It takes that edge off, um, which I think is a really nice little technique. I was listening to uh, the Esther Perel, my favorite podcast, Where Should We Begin?, where she records her sessions with um, couples and sometimes individuals. And I don't think I got to finish this one, but there was one um, episode in her most recent one the most recent season, uh, where he he came in individually because basically he had been married for seven years. He was with his wife for 13 years total. They had a child or children together. Um, and then he met a co-worker, um, fell in love, immediately divorced his wife and moved in with his co-worker and got engaged with her. And then two years later, realized basically as soon as they got out of the honeymoon phase and he's realized that his co-worker is also a flawed human being, he was like, fuck, I've given up my soulmate. I've lost my best friend. I ended my everyone in my family and I want it back. Um, and she actually, where, where I got up to, she's willing to take him back. But he was struggling with the guilt of and the shame of what he's done, which is why he was seeking support. And this is a really um, almost cliche and common scenario that seems to happen a lot. 
And she, Esther was asking him, well, what were the problems in your relationship? And he was kind of like, well, there wasn't really issues. It was just we were going about our, our lives kind of separately. I think he said we were living parallel, like alongside each other but not merged, not connected. Um, and she said, well, what did you do to address the problem? Like what actions did you take? What did you communicate? And he said nothing. He just went straight into engaging into an affair when someone that was making him feel really good about himself, making him feel attractive and and instead of saying and thinking, well, can I get this from my wife? Can I ignite this feeling with my current relationship? Then maybe this would have never happened, um, which is really sad. And I think, I think what's hard is this reminds me actually of a post I saw on Reddit the other day which was really nicely written it was by a man and he was he was in a marriage he's in a long-term relationship he similar situation not any issues not necessarily unhappy just been together for a long time and he went away recently with a colleague up with co-workers for a work function and one of his um colleagues an attractive young woman was really really coming on to him like making it very very avert that she was interested in him she's willing to have sex with him if he's down and he was kind of like you know I was faced with an opportunity to cheat on my wife and of course I didn't and I didn't want to but there's something about like the high that remained and he can't stop thinking about it because it was a woman that was making him feel so good like making him feel alpha and attractive and wanted and desired rather than coming home and getting not belittled but like can you take the rubbish out can you do this or take the kids and bath them and not taking that moment to connect as a couple and this is not the wife <laughs> the wife's fault um the hard thing that happens is in this scenario when the man approaches his wife or the wife approaches his her husband and says i want to work on this and i want to build this intimacy and rada, 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 and then they go I'm busy I'm exhausted I've had I've got three kids I gotta do this I gotta do that and you get shot down with that initiation and that's when you you're kind of unpacking a bigger issue there and I would recommend seeing a couple's therapist or a couple's coach um, or something of the similar so yeah um after I posted that on Instagram, yeah, I had so many people being like, well, why why are we always obsessed with our colleagues? Why do we always find our coworkers really hot? And one guy commented saying, I wish I had a hot coworker to have a crush on. I've just got like old men in, in uh, with walking sticks <laughs> in my office. But I thought, okay, let's um, let's actually unpack this. So the first thing is uh, proximity and familiarity. So when you spend a significant amount of time with someone in a shared environment, which then therefore leads to increased familiarity, um, you kind of get the sense of comfort and comfort is a really good place for attraction to develop. So that is probably the most significant aspect. Another part is you've got shared interest and shared goals. So let's say hypothetically, I have no men in my industry or in my job, but that's a, I, ha, I had a couple, but let's say hypothetically there were, there's a male colleague and he's working and I'm like, you know what, this is great that uh, him and I can relate and talk about the stress, stress and pressure of working with high-risk families 
where our partners don't, as much as we can explain it, they don't truly get how taxing that can be and how heartbreaking that can be, etc. So when you have that shared experience, shared understanding, it's it, it, it can connect you or people if you work in sports say and you're like, oh, I wish my wife loved sports. This is great. You work in sports and you enjoy sport and you're passionate about that as well. Like it's always exciting when you find something that another person is passionate on that you're also passionate in. Um, similar lifestyles. So when you work with someone, you might have similar schedules, might be into the same thing. Um work-related experiences, those kind of just common grounds, um, which, and again, gives opportunity for attraction. Um, another kind of potential factor could be the team dynamics. So when you work, when you collaborate on um, work projects or you're a partner, that can deeply strengthen interpersonal bonds. Uh, that, that camaraderie type thing. I remember I dated someone, uh, he was a lawyer and he he would stay back really late um from for work from like 5 p.m to 9 p.m with the very gorgeous blonde 24 year old woman and I was like (laughs) I am not liking this I didn't trust him already and there were a lot of things that made him untrustworthy so that was adding to the cake but I was like this does not feel like a safe environment for me as someone he's dating to be in to expect loyalty I just I honestly I couldn't cope with it Uh, if he was a long-term partner or boyfriend it'd be different I'm not saying if your partner does this you should be concerned but I just yeah it's it's a hard thing to wrap your head around it's not that it's not that it's their fault um but it certainly happens and that's why one of the highest rates of infidelity is in um with police officers because they can work with someone for very long hours, very late hours, irregular hours, which I guess we'll get into as well. Like when you have um, you working at 2 a.m., the world's asleep, you're getting into deep and meaningfuls um, and you have that shared experience, shared trauma, same with paramedics as well. But anyone that I have ever met, any woman I have ever met that works in the police force, and this has been said to me a few times, has said never ever ever date a cop she said all of them are are cheating and that is a huge generalization a huge stereotype and a huge almost allegation accusation and I'm not saying that this is fact please don't take this as a me bashing on uh lawyers and cops but I can see why there are increased cases of it basically um Anyways, um, another factor could be an admiration for competence. So when you have someone at work that there's lots of opportunities to say like, you've done really well, or I really like the way you did this, or you spoke so amazing today at this function. Um, you're getting rewarded for things and, and, and thanked for things and admired for things that 
your partner at home may not know that you're doing or when you explain it they're not really getting it and thinking oh it's an achievement or you you know it's not that as exciting to be like I said something really impactful in my team meeting that influenced a lot of people it may not be that well understood it could be you know you had to be there kind of moment so I think that having that anything that feeds our ego a little bit it does make us feel good and guess what having your ego fed by someone that you find attractive is grounds for attraction to grow um unfortunately um physical proximity again like but just literally being really close to someone sitting next to them um sensing them um shared challenges that you overcome together um or even like if you have like a a mutual dislike for a specific client or manager or boss etc like sharing that experience together um, can deepen that connection and I think a really prominent one as well is the emotional connection like emotional support sorry that connection can build from that when you are supporting someone else when they're going through something and this is often how it starts anytime and I know this just basically from reddit when someone catches their partner cheating and the texts are up like I'd say 70% of the time it's someone going through something like let's say a woman's going through something and she's texting her male co-worker who's married and he's supporting her through it he's giving her advice and then she's messaging him at 8 p.m saying like oh this happened and then and then the manager said this and I'm just really upset about it. And he's saying, don't worry, like I've got your back. You're doing really well. And you're messaging late at night, getting that support. So you've, you've spent all day together, nine to five, and then you're communicating at night. Like it's it's dangerous, dangerous territory. Um, so what I what I found when I looked up what are the highest professions that are associated with higher levels of infidelity basically what I found is that certain professions that are associated with higher levels of like stress and irregular working hours opportunity for social interaction are most likely to be the top runners for impacting relationship dynamics Um, other things could be jobs that have frequent travel with long hours exposure to high number of social events um so for example sales and marketing i have dated many many people (laughs) i don't know what it is about me and people in marketing um my fiance is in landscaping thank god but anyone i dated in marketing they had event after event after event they were partying in the city going out all the time and it's a lot of attractive you know people in their 20s and 30s spending all hours together from 8 a.m to midnight together um you can see how it fosters connection and friendship and potential for attraction um so yeah and not to mention drugs (laughs) something about marketing and and cocaine seems to go hand in hand not that anyone i've dated has been into that side of the marketing um but I definitely hear about it or maybe they haven't I didn't know uh the entertainment industry or creative industry so actors and musician performers again have the long irregular hours highly social environments that's kind of a bigger factor a hospitality and travel industry is a big one 
frequent travel, airline pilots, flight attendants, mm-hmm, hotel staff. Um, I forgot to say as well before when I was talking about police and um, paramedics, another big one is uh, doctors and nurses. Um, I hear about that a lot. And I know a couple of doctors who have said, yeah, it's a good place to be single. Um, and, and yeah, so healthcare. Um, and finally as well, this one surprised me, finance and investment banking seems to be a higher risk environment for uh, co-workers forming relationships because it's a high stress job demanding work schedules um, when you can bond with one another. So hopefully, <laughs> I hope people aren't listening to this thinking, fuck, 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 because my partner's in this, my partner's in that and getting stressed. It's not all about that. In some ways, it's a good thing to normalise this, not expect it or endure it or, you know, cop it in your relationship if you find that your partner is doing this. It's not about that. But it is about knowing how how to navigate it if you do find this and also holding yourself accountable and responsible if these situations were to come up, um, how to handle it. Because like I said before, your body is truly, truly going to push you to seek out more of this person that you're attracted to. They're going to make you notice the small things, the way they smile, the way they smell, even the way they laugh, the way they make you feel and you're going to feel so positive. You want more and more and more. Um, and if it's reciprocated, do those people have the willpower to not engage in that? And if it's reciprocated, have you already gone too far by allowing that connection to kind of or that bond to build that significantly? I saw a post on um, my I'm on a Facebook group with babies born at the same time, basically. So September 2022 babies. And a woman posted saying that her husband is a mechanic and they're like 30 or something. And he's got a really attractive 21 or 22 year old. Um, I think she was a receptionist or like she off, she works in the office there, basically. I think she's a receptionist. And she organizes all things for him she organizes his lunch as well etc she gives him she, she messages him a lot they have a lot a lot of banter um and a lot of that banter was like sexual innuendos and flirtation etc and she also gave him expensive gifts for his birthday and this woman was like nothing's happened and she can't she's read through his messages to discover this um and she didn't, I didn't ask her actually, like, did you know, did he tell you he, she had given him the gift? But she didn't answer that, um, which I was really curious about. But she was like, would you guys be thinking this is appropriate or inappropriate? Is this cheating or not cheating? Blah, blah, blah. And it, it is hard in this situation because I, and I commented this as well, that it's a bit challenging and it adds another layer when, he's a tradie he he that kind of inappropriate banter is very common those like dirty sex jokes or whatever is common however sometimes a double standard is needed 
So he might turn around and say, I speak to her like the same way I speak to my other co-workers and colleagues. Well, unfortunately, sometimes you need to have a different standard to your female or male co-workers um, or whatever gender it is that you're sexually aligned with. Um, and that can kind of rub people the wrong way to hear that. But, you know, it's like, well, how come I can get coffee with Susie, but I can't go get coffee with John? Well, you, I mean, you can get coffee, but <laughs> maybe your partner is uncomfortable with your ongoing coffee dates and you, you communicating outside of work hours. And it's not up, for, up to you to tell them what they can and can't be comfortable with. It's up to you to hear where they feel, hear what hear where they're at and agree together on what can be done to address the situation. How can we make your primary relationship partner feel safe and secure in your relationship? Because this is what I wish that more people would learn and more people would prioritize in their relationships. It's not, it's less about defending yourself and thinking like, how dare you accuse me of this? How dare you not trust me? I want to treat her like I treat the boys, this, that. It's not about that. If your partner comes to you, even if it's not factual, even obviously, hopefully you're not cheating or, <laughs> or attracted to her or crossing boundaries. But if your partner is observing something, especially if it's something they don't commonly do, you should be prioritizing making your your partner comfortable and asking what what would make you feel the most appropriate or how how would you like me to reassure you or what would make you feel the most reassured um there is of course there are some partners that feel like that anytime you talk to a woman or you talk to a man and they're like and they can word it emotionally intelligently by saying like look I'm just, I'm struggling with this. I, f- I find it um, kind of inappropriate and I do feel like jealous and I wish that you would step back. And it's like, well, if are you saying this about literally every woman in their life or every man in their life, then maybe that person is trying, is a little bit jealous at minimum and controlling on the other end. Um and maybe there's more that needs to be unpacked there. Um, and I've spoken about this before in previous podcasts where you can kind of, people can kind of, this is a bit of a, a side note, but people can kind of use emotional intelligence to manipulate someone else. So just because you can express something verbally that's very well said and thoughtful and your your mood and demeanour are, are positive and and calm doesn't necessarily make you right um it doesn't necessarily mean you're justified for someone to do exactly as you say because you said it in an emotionally intelligent way so there is that little side where it's like okay in most cases if someone's not regularly asking you and they've observed I'm uncomfortable with so-and-so situation I would be prioritizing that however if someone is uncomfortable in every situation to do with the opposite gender Think about whether or not that's one appropriate. Is it controlling? Is there manipulation involved? Um, today I made a post, or yesterday, about um, a man had written in about being only wanting to date 
he's 31 he only wants to date 19 20 year olds because he doesn't want someone that's had a um a sexual partner before him or a boyfriend because he's jealous of their past and and when he finds out or if he finds out that they have been with other men or they have had other boyfriends he's observed that he kind of he'll withdraw he might punish them a little bit by being like passive aggressive he might blame them for things he might withhold affection and he wants to change it because he wants to settle down he's ready to settle down but he can't help the anger he feels when he finds out about these previous relationships so I might do another podcast on retroactive jealousy let me know if you're interested in that Um, otherwise you can read about it on my Instagram page but I kind of was saying to him like you know you are aware that this is this is pretty controlling behavior and the manipulation of like you get jealous of her past so you find something else to blame her with so that she kind of comes back and is is trying to resolve things with you even though she hasn't done anything that's manipulative at minimum and also kind of abusive I mean it it falls under the umbrella of abuse and it's something to be really aware of so I was um, cautious when I made those two Instagram posts one about the retroactive jealousy and one about the relationship or uh, sorry crush on a co-worker and I thought my the crush from the co-worker even though I challenged her and held her accountable saying you know you need to put boundaries in place and are you holding yourself to the same standards and expectations you hold your partner to in terms of loyalty in those ways I challenged her but a lot of that was spent normalizing the situation validating it and a little bit of praise for being like great for recognizing this and taking steps forward and when it came to this situation um with the retroactive jealousy, I was a little bit more harsh, a little bit more straightforward, a little bit more challenging, not in an inappropriate way, but in a way that I wanted to make it clear that anything that falls under the umbrella of abuse shouldn't be dealt with with high levels of empathy. It should be dealt with in a way that, you know, I, I'm not going to handhold you here and say, this is so hard for you. Like this, that's really sad that, um, you know, someone has had a partner before you. Those are thoughts and processes that should be challenged and an effective professional will challenge that in you and make you think like, one, it may not be appropriate because, it could be controlling or abusive or unhealthy or toxic, blah, blah, blah. But also does this does this pattern and does this behavior of yours, does that truly serve you? Does that benefit you? Because the chances are it's not. But it's like this guy was saying, every relationship of his has ended because of this. Um, and he wants to settle down, but he can't because he has this thing. He gets jealous of all, his part, all the past partners. So... I think that it's a really important practice that we hold ourselves accountable. And like this with the co-workers, like I don't want you to take what I've said and be like, it's so normal, it's okay to have a crush. Statistically, 60% of people have had a crush on a co-worker, blah, blah, blah. You still need to hold yourself accountable. You still need to challenge yourself and think like, is this appropriate for me and my monogamous relationship? Am I putting the right levels of boundaries in? Um Another interesting on this, part on this actually, that I posted a poll saying 
if you're in this situation, would you tell your partner? A, yes, I would tell them I have a crush on my coworker. B, no, I would not tell them unless it was at the point of I was about to, or I was engaging in emotional or physical cheating. C, no, I would not tell them pending that I was putting in the appropriate boundaries, like trying to stop the crush from growing and trying to kind of get rid of the crush. Or D, no, I would not tell them at all. And I was pleasantly surprised that most people said I wouldn't um, I wouldn't tell only in the case that I am putting in those boundaries. Um, and I was surprised. I thought that more people would be saying, yes, I would tell my partner. There was only a few percent of people that said, yeah, I will tell my partner. And those people will message me being like, as if you wouldn't. Like, don't you don't you have an open relationship with like uh, open communication with your partner where you can express those things? And to that, I would say it really depends on the dynamic of your relationship. And like, say for like Adrian and I have been together for three and a half years and the words I'm attracted to someone else or I've had a crush on someone else have never exited either one of our mouths. Whereas my friend who's just as loyal, just as committed, her and her partner can point out attractive people to each other and be like, oh, this person's so hot, I'd fuck them or whatever. And they laugh about it together and nod and agree. And not one is worse or better than the other. It's just two different relationship dynamics. So if she said, oh, this new guy started and he's really hot, like kind of have a crush, he might be like, oh, that's fun. Like, cool, watch out, me then, or something humorous. Whereas if I had said that, I had never once mentioned that in the whole duration of our relationship, I feel like it would be heartbreaking for him. He'd be gut-wrenched. He wouldn't know what to do with this information. Like it would seem like a huge betrayal even though nothing had even happened um so it really depends and I don't want to make that out like we have an unhealthy relationship dynamic it's just not something that we do and to us in our opinion like it's kind of like a a respectful thing we, we find it most respectful that you don't comment on you know I, I find your friend hot or whatever or they look fucking good in that dress or you can tell he's like so and so like we would find it more attractive uh, more appropriate to not say those things even though like we probably both recognize that yeah maybe we think those things we just don't communicate that to each other because we don't want to accidentally hurt each other's feelings or have feelings of competitiveness or insecurity come up and for some couples they can say those things and those emotions completely don't arise at all and I wouldn't necessarily say that that second couple is more secure than say Adrian and I I just think that everyone addresses things differently and communicates differently and they may communicate literally every single thing like <laughs> I was gonna go gross and be like some couples talk about like when they do poos and wheeze or they do it with the door open I do not as far as he's concerned I've never done a poo in my life <laughs> like I just I don't know <laughs> I kind of regret saying that I don't know how to edit it out but fuck it it's staying in there <laughs> it's staying in there um so yeah you know every every couple is going to handle this and approach this in a really different way this reminds me actually I had a couple comments um of people saying now like when I was talking about bringing guests on um they were like can you bring Adrian on to do one and I asked them and he 
He basically made it out like he would rather die than sit on a podcast. Not because he doesn't like the podcast or doesn't like podcasts in general, but just because it would just give him so much anxiety. Um, <laughs> he couldn't handle it. You should see the amount of work and stress he's been doing on th- to make our wedding speech. It's been like he hasn't even our wedding's in like three days, and he just wrote his vows last night because all of his effort has been going on to this public speech that he has to do at our at our reception. And he, didn't, I was like, you don't have to. I'm going to do a speech, but he wants to do it for himself. But it is like the biggest deal. Um, so I'm excited for him to do it because I feel like it's going to be a really big achievement for him when he completes it. But it took him like that long to get that done. There's no way he's doing a podcast where it's not speaking to friends and family. It's to strangers and you can be subjected to random people's opinions. And also he he is a man of few words. He's – I think a lot of people would think based on me that he would be maybe like a super deep and retrospective person. What I love about Adrian, he one, of course, he's extremely emotionally intelligent. Adrian is just like a simple, humble, hardworking, loyal, kind man. And, you know, there have been partners that I've had that we would sit and talk about every conspiracy theory I've ever come across or every thought process. And I loved that. But there's something I just find really beautiful about this dynamic and the way he is that I really appreciate it. Like, I still go on rambles and I still talk about these things and often all I get is, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that in response and not in a dismissive way. It's just he just thinks about it and doesn't doesn't like have, I don't want to say he doesn't have much of his own thoughts on it, but that's, that's all he needs to say. He's just a man of few words. Um, so I think that he would think – the fact that I'm sitting here 45 minutes into a podcast talking to myself, I think would be shocking to him. Um, and if he can see me right now, it's a bit weird because <laughs> I didn't want to set everything up in a different room. So I'm just facing my computer with a blank screen, looking at looking out the window, <laughs> looking at the feathers, <laughs> talking to myself. Um, so yeah, podcasting on my own has been a little bit weird. Um but I do have a lot of guests lined up. I just have to figure out how to record um, externally, like not in person with other people. So I'll be doing that shit after the wedding. So anyways, I'm going to leave you and love you there. I am getting married this Saturday and then we're going on a little mini honeymoon, a mini moon. So... I may or may not post next week. Stay tuned. Maybe a couple of days late or not at all. But anyway, thank you for listening. Um, you can follow me or contact me on Instagram, Eliza Joy Wilson, or email me at sexsellspodcast at outlook.com. Um, see you guys next week. Bye.